like us in every way except for sin. Um, and you know what? Most of the gross stuff we do is not sin. So, uh, <laughs> Jesus was in, in a seven-month-old body, in a three-year-old body, um, in a 10, 12, 13-year-old body. He knew what it was. Uh, to, that's what the incarnation means. So we're going to read a little bit about that today. I'm going to go ahead and read the text. Um, I'm going to invite the kids up at the end, um, and we'll have a short uh, children's sermon, and then Pastor Debbie actually is going to preach our, our, uh, uh, another short um, kind of adult sermon, I guess. Uh, and so we're looking forward to that. But this is John 1, verses 1 to 18. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, not of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, this was he of whom I said, he comes after me. He who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. From his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. This is the word of the Lord. All right, kids, would you come, come on up to the first couple rows? Um, you guys are already in the first couple rows. You don't have to. If you want to move, you can move. Um, but you don't have to. Oh, if you want, kids, if you want to bring your adults, I guess that's fine. Oh, should the adults move? Um, oh, we can squish in. We can squish in. You can even sit on the floor. Can you grab those colored pencils for me from, from underneath there? All right. Oh, there they are. Can, and can you grab those papers for me? Thank you. So our text, the thing we're going to think about today, our scripture verse, here you go. No, not for you, Miriam. Our scripture verse is this word from John 1, where the Apostle John says, the word became flesh. What's flesh? Yeah? Skin. Skin? Here you go. It's skin. What else? Anybody else want to know what flesh is? What? Yeah, it's like, yeah, the stuff to make sure your insides don't show, right? It's also, it is your insides. Flesh is your insides and it's your outsides. Yes. Meat is flesh. That's right. Any German speakers here? You know, the German word for meat it's Fleisch, right? It's basically the word flesh. All right, and now can you pass out those colored pencils for me? Thank you. So you're going to take this paper. Now, who had a wish list for Christmas? 
Who had a list of like, Tom, you had a wish list? I believe it. <laughs> One forgiveness, please. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That was my wish list. Yeah. yeah, Nicholas, what was on, give me one thing that was on your wish list. Well, what was it? Okay, he said, literally, there's only one thing on my wish list, and it was big, fun Lego sets. Did you get any of those big, fun Lego sets? I got three Lego sets. Three Lego sets. So you, anybody else have a wish list, things you wanted for Christmas that you told your mom? You did, Robin? Did you get any of them? You don't remember if you got, <laughs> did you have any, Julia? Did you get any of the things you wanted on your wish list? You did? All right, do you want to share? You got a LOL doll? All right, I don't know what that is, but I bet it's pretty cool. I know Emmaus had some PJ Masks stuff on his wish list. So here's the funny thing about wish lists. What is on a wish list? Yeah, but what's like actually, you don't take the thing you want and tape it to a list. What do you put on that list? You write down what? In what? But what do you write? A word. You write a word. Come on, people. I'm trying to lead you there. Okay. You write a word on the wish list, right? And then what happens? The right person... It comes in the, you are, you're so good, Rain. It comes in the flesh, right? The word that you write on the list gets read by the right person, and it comes in the flesh. So here's what I want you to do. Write on your piece of paper. You can draw a picture if you're not a writer. That's fine. Write a word that you would like to have come in the flesh. Or maybe even a name. Can you write a name or draw a picture of a person that you would like to have come in the flesh? Does it have to be a person? No, but something living would be good. Okay. All right. So write your name, draw the person. Yeah. Like who you would like to be in this room right here. Like in my, I don't have a piece of paper, but I would probably write like international pop star Ariana Grande. I don't know. I read she was the most famous person in the world. That's why. <laughs> okay, just write something or someone you would like to come in the flesh. Now, here's my question for you. If God was going to write a word on that, we'll say magic, piece of paper, that wonderful piece of paper that's going to make that word come true in the flesh, what word would God have written on his paper? You're cheating, Jim. You've been here too long. Nicholas, you think us? Okay, Rain, what do you think? No sin? Oh, that's a good one. He would like that. I think God would absolutely love to have us. God would love to have no sin. Yeah. What word would you want God to write on that paper? What word would you want God to make real in this world? Yeah. Peace. Yeah, you're, you, have a, you have a career as a future Miss America, Robin. Right? World peace. Anybody else? What would you love to have, have God make? You would love to have God write bunny on his paper and make that come true. All right. Yeah. Last one, Nicholas. What you got? Puffy? 
puppies. All right. God would want puppies to come true. I think if we were taking this really seriously, I think we would want God to write a word that was going to solve our problems. A word like peace or a word like joy or a word like love or even hope. Maybe. Maybe we should light some candles that are based around those words, right? Oh, okay. Here's, what's the middle candle about, though? Yeah, Robin. Christ. The middle candle, the white candle, is the Christ candle. Caden and Emmaus. Caden and Emmaus, can you whisper? You guys are doing so good. You're doing so good, but can you whisper? Thank you so much. The middle candle is the Christ candle because here's the thing. God did write a word on a piece of paper, but the word where he wrote it was in the prophecy of Isaiah where 700 years before Jesus was born, he wrote the word Emmanuel where he said, I am going to come and I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be with you. And he also wrote a word in Mary and Joseph's heart. He said, you're going to have a baby, Mary. And Joseph, he said, your fiance, your soon-to-be wife, Mary, she's going to have a baby. And you will name him. Does anybody know? Ernie, do you know what he got named? What was it? Jesus, you're right. He named him. He wrote that word. Jesus, and then he did, in fact, become flesh. He became real. God wrote that word down in his prophets. He said, I will be with you. The word Emmanuel means God with us. The word Jesus means the Lord saves us. That's the word he wrote down. The Lord saves us. Now, for God to save us, what do we have to do to be saved? Do we have to be really, really good? Do we have to be so good that we get a gold star every single day in order for God to save us? No. Do we have to be so good that we're not on any naughty lists in this world? No. God saves us. Not because we're good, but because he loves us. God came as a person, just like you and me. He became a human being. God didn't have to do that. God was living in heaven. Heaven's a really nice place. It's a really nice place. But God decided to become human so that he could save us. But here's the other thing. This is especially for those of you that are older. God does not save us without us. God won't take us and force us into, into his place. The only way for us to be saved is to go there with God. He invites us and he says, I've done all the hard work. You just come with me. You just come with me. It's kind of like, imagine you're climbing this big rock and Jesus is there. He's saying, I'm going to get you to the top because at the top of this big rock is everything you should be, right? But we still have to climb the rock along with Jesus. He's going to help us when it's hard. He's going to show us where to go. But we still have to climb the rock alongside him. We still have to turn toward God. 
All right. One other thing here, because I've said a lot of times today, God became a baby. He became a human who even had a birthday, believe it or not. He had a day that he was born, right? But Jesus was also more than just a body. He was more than just a person like you and me. Even though he was a person like you and me, he was more than a person like you and me. Anybody else know what else he was? Yeah, Robin? He was and is God. That's right. He is God made flesh. One of my favorite Christmas songs, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, has a great line in it. It says, veiled, this is a little bit like old school language, but here's what it says, veiled in flesh, the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity, right? It means that God put on skin. He became human, but he was still really and truly God. He didn't give up being God to become human. And that means that God, who is eternal, who is everywhere and at all times, he's in all places, everywhere, and he's at all times, every when, right? Which means that, was Jesus there when the world was made? Yes, he was. Was the son, who we know as Jesus, was he there at Mount Sinai when Moses received the Ten Commandments from? Yes, he was. Was he there when you were born in the hospital room or in your, I don't know, in your, in your parents' bedroom? I don't know how, how you did it. He was, was he there? Is he there when you go to sleep at night and when you get up and when you go to school? Is he there when you go to scary places or when you're feeling alone or when maybe you're not feeling so safe? Jesus is there in those places and those times too. Because Jesus is like you and me, but he's also not like you and me. Because as far as I can tell, unless the temperature of this room has changed quite a bit, international pop star Ariana Grande has not walked through this door. <laughs> right? Anybody else? What was on your paper? What did you guys write? Who wants to share? Ernie, what did you write? Can you, what is that? Can you tell me what this picture is? That is you? <gasps> you are here! Wow, your paper was right. That's amazing. <laughs> Anybody else? Who? Yeah, Rain, what did you write on your paper or draw? A unicorn. A unicorn. Any unicorns in sight? I do not see any unicorns. No, I'm just going to Okay, yes. Us, together. That's good. It is good for us to be together. But here's the thing. We can, and you wrote bunny but I don't see any bunnies. I see a cat, but I don't see any bunnies, right? Here's the thing. We can only be in one place at one time, but because Jesus is God, he doesn't just have to be in one place at one time. He can be in all places at all times, which means that anytime you need him, Jesus is there with you. And even when you try to forget that Jesus is there, he's still there with looking after you, loving you, calling you to himself, calling you to be the best version of yourself because he not only loves you and is there with you, he also created you and knows exactly who 
you are. So, yes, you see a unicorn. Okay, that's good. <laughs> so I want to teach you something. And if you're of the age, you can turn that paper over and you can write, you can take a couple notes. I want to teach you how to pray for Jesus' help. Okay? When you are in need, when you're scared, when you're alone, when maybe somebody at school is being mean to you, when maybe things at your house are not so fun, when maybe your life is not going the way that you want it to go, you can pray for Jesus' help. Here's what you can pray. So you can say this after me. You can say, Dear Jesus, Dear Jesus, all right. You saved us all when you died on the cross and came back to life. Help me to, and then you might say, be brave. Help me to not be afraid. Help me to find a friend. You could say whatever it is that you need at that point, right? Help me to, and then you say, I love you. Amen. So let's try it one more time. And then Pastor Debbie's actually going to come up and she's going to preach a quick sermon for us too. So we're going to say, Dear Jesus, you saved us all when you died on the cross and came back to life. Help me to, and you can say your thing. Ready? One, two, three. Okay, that's a secret. All right. <laughs> I love you. Amen. Thank you guys so much for being here today. We are not the body of Christ. We are not the church if we are not all here together in it, right? So we love you guys. We care about you. You can go back to your parents. And Pastor Debbie's going to come preach real quick. Thank you so much. Miss Andrew, you're. Well, we did it. We survived Christmas. The hustle, bustle, hurry, scurry. I don't know about you guys, whatever you want to call it, but December comes and it just leaves us busy, overcommitted, overscheduled, overwhelmed, exhausted. Personally, I hate it. Please don't misinterpret me. I love Christmas. I, I truly love Christmas. I love Christmas for everything that it's supposed to be and not for what it's become. After all, it is the most wonderful time of the year, right? That's what the song tells us. Um, Christmas music starts playing every year before Thanksgiving. And it promises all of these wonderful things. You know, more holly jollies than you know what to do with. Winter wonderlands for the taking peace, goodwill, but we don't always feel as wonderful and as happy as the songs tell us we're supposed to. 
our tiny tots don't always have eyes all aglow. Sometimes they have a cold and a really bad attitude. We hear stories every year on the news about the holiday blues. Depression levels skyrocket. Um, people feeling like they just can't keep up with expectations. They're not having those warm fuzzies that society tells us we're supposed to have. It's really easy for these and, and a whole host of other reasons to just feel stuck, to feel sucked into the darkness of the holiday season. You know, the Jews felt it too. They didn't have the holiday blues, but they felt the darkness. The darkness surrounded them, kind of like a PG&E power outage. Sin had entered the world. Sin is a terminal disease with no real cure. Sin, it separated mankind from God. In Isaiah 59, 8 through 9, says, the way of peace they do not know. There is no justice in their paths. They have made their roads crooked. No one who treads on them knows peace. Therefore, justice is far from us, and righteousness does not overtake us. We hope for light, and behold darkness, and for brightness, but we walk in gloom. The hope for light continued. They had been promised a Messiah, a savior. They were told that he was coming. Hundreds of years of waiting for this promised unknown Messiah. They were still waiting, watching, struggling, struggling in the darkness, hoping for the light. Every year when December rolls around, I promise myself that this year is going to be different. I'm not going to be as busy. I won't overcommit myself. I won't overschedule myself. I'm not going to get caught up in the chaos. I want to spend Advent focusing on the anticipation and the excitement of the season. But I struggle. I try not to let materialism steal my focus. And honestly, it's become a whole lot easier now that my kids are adults. Um, that need that you feel that you have to buy Christmas is not so strong. Um, but everyone is caught up in the chaos, right? So it doesn't matter what I do or where I go. There's people going and doing the same thing. So we find ourselves this whole season waiting. Everything takes at least twice as long as we think it's supposed to, right? So you're always behind schedule. Um, because everybody else is going and doing. We wait for parking spots. We wait in line at the grocery store. We wait for deliveries. We wait and we wait. So much to do. So little time. And right alongside us is everyone else running around doing the same thing. Waiting not necessarily bring out the best in us people. Whoever wrote all those songs about peace on earth, goodwill to men, was clearly not at the Black Friday sale at Best Buy. 
they were also not hanging out at Arden Fair Mall on Christmas Eve. This is not what Christmas is supposed to be. If we use the, the, this means, or even the idyllic nativity scenes that we see on greeting cards and in Christmas plays, if that's what we use to define Christmas, then we're limiting the scope of God. We're limiting the scope of God's plan, and we're overlooking the big picture of what God was doing in the world at this time. All of my waiting that I'm very quick to complain about seems completely insignificant compared to the Israelites waiting for the Messiah. God was hard at work waiting for all of the pieces to be in place. I wait in line for check, wait. Uh, I complain about waiting in line to check out at Sam's Club. The Israelites waited nearly 2,000 years for the one who would be the fulfillment of the law, the one who would save the people from their sins. This past month, um, through Advent, I've been thinking a lot about Mary and the events that led up to that first Christmas. Um, I remember my first pregnancy test. Joel and I had not been married very long. I was a full-time college student. Uh, he was um, working his first job at a college. It was not really the ideal time. Um, I, there was all the emotions, all the feels, excitement, anticipation, fear, anxiety. Those five minutes could not have passed any slower. That plus sign, you know, I was happy. We were overjoyed to become new parents, but we were also afraid. So thinking about what Mary went through, young girl, betrothed but not yet married, in a society that did not accept that sort of thing. And here she was, pregnant. Mary was given a season of waiting and anticipation that she did not ask for, could not have dreamed of, and probably did not totally even understand. See, Mary was a good Jewish girl. She would have been raised on all of the old teachings, the prophecies. She too had been waiting for this promised Messiah. And now she has the knowledge that the very Messiah that her people have been waiting for was growing within her womb. The long-awaited Messiah was on the way. The waiting was almost over. First, Mary and Joseph had a government-scheduled, government-mandated road trip at the worst possible time in her pregnancy. We can see that even that very first Christmas had not only a lot of anticipation, but a lot of stress. But it also had promise. God sent his son to rid the world of darkness. The waiting was almost over. In John chapter 1, the true, verse 9, the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. 
he came to his own and his own people did not receive him. The Jews were in darkness for the same reason that we often find ourselves in darkness. We can't blame PG&E for this one. It's our sin, sin that separates us from God. There is nothing that we can do within ourselves to bridge the gap that separates us. No way that we can get out of the darkness on our own. The only way to find the light is revealed, starting in verse 12. But to all who, didn't, who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, that was he of whom I said, he who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. So I also wanted to take a minute to kind of look at this first Christmas from God's perspective. Um, one of our readings this morning was from Galatians. And um, I, wanted, I want to look at that again, um, the question, how was it that God got everything in place to carry out his divine plan? See, in Galatians 4, 4 through 7, it says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Now, right at the beginning of the verse, there's a phrase, um, when the fullness of time has come. It's an easy one to just breeze right past, but it's really important. I wanted to take a minute. The fullness of time is God's way of, or, of saying it, it was the right or the perfect time. God was waiting for just the right time. There were so many things that had to come into play that had to be in effect in just the right way in order to fulfill God's plan, to fill the, fulfill the prophecies. There was a lot of preparation involved in that exact thing of Jesus' birth. The other super important part, point that Paul makes in this passage is a reminder to us that God did not just send his son to the Jewish people, but he sent him for everyone so that we might receive adoption as sons. Um, I, I have a friend that... Um, that was adopted, and he and I were recently talking, and, and he was talking about what it was like to be a child that was adopted, and when other kids would find out, as kids often do, they would kind of poke fun at him, and he said, it, you know, his parents had this way of making him know exactly how special he was and how important he was. They explained to him that, that you were adopted, we chose you. We picked you out to be part of our family. And that's what God has done for all of us. He's chosen us to be part of his family. 
He said once that his parents explained it to him like that, that the teasing that the kids did, that it didn't matter because he knew that he was special. He'd been chosen. God's chosen us, picked us out special so that we might receive adoptions of sons and daughters. And because you are sons, God has sent his spirit of the son into the hearts, crying, Abba, Father, you are no longer a slave. We don't have to be a slave to sin because we've been adopted. We are a son, and if a son, then an heir through God. And as John said in verse 13, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. We have a tendency to think that, that we can't wait for what God has for us. His waiting is hard. For God, the excitement and anticipation of the second coming is even greater. God cannot wait to give us the gift of his son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Even when we think that we're the ones searching and waiting, it is God who searches for us. It is God who waits for us. It is God who loved us first. And we can see this in his son, Jesus Christ. Pray with me. Dear Lord, thank you. Thank you not only for sending us your son, which we do thank you for, but thank you for choosing us. Thank you for waiting for us. Thank you for searching for us, Lord. Help us to, um, to remember to wait, to remember to, to find your presence in the waiting, Lord. We love you, Father. Amen. Amen. Supper is